Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Yes, that does mean that you are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. I am uh, Trey Cashin, and we're going to start with our prayer here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, please pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. And uh, I'm here with Thaddeus. How are you doing? Morning, Trey. Good morning. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep plugging along. I know that we had uh, a great benefit dinner last week. Unfortunately, I was not I was not there. Next year, God willing, um, when the creeks don't rise, as we say here in Texas. <laughs> but but uh, that has a different meaning for me, as you know. Oh yeah, I'm a sorry. Different implication. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, probably I shouldn't have said that. But. Uh, anyway, no. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah, we did have a really successful benefit dinner, and yeah, thanks, um, thanks for one of our best you. ever. Great turnout. Great feeling. Um, people. Uh, Really came excited and enthusiastic. I think it was a great blessing that it was on. I mean, all, of course, all it was Sa- a great blessing yeah. that it was on All Saints Day. Right. But the fact that we had mass beforehand, um, a lot of people came over. I think uh, extra infused with the presence of God. With uh, they were they were carrying the uh, the presence of our Lord from communion into the benefit dinner, and there was just something really. Uh, unique and special about all those lovers of the station and supporters of the station uh, being there on All Saints Day. And so we, a um, lot of generosity was poured out and we are well, thank incredibly you for grateful. Because, I mean, it's like anything else in this in this world and it's the way Christ intended it. Um, we all count on one another. We're not in this uh, alone, mm-hmm. individually and, and certainly even collectively. The radio station can't do what she does mm-hmm. uh, without, right. without the help of those who are there. And, and it is a means by which, I, and I firmly believe this, that Jesus is getting his message out to uh, at least the people here yeah. um, in the Brazos Valley and in Waco and Palestine and wherever right. else people might be listening. But uh, And I, I know for a fact there were people there who became monthly donors who— don't listen to the radio station, but they learned about what it does and the impact that it has on people's lives, on other people's lives, and they're saying, I want to get behind that. I want to be a part of that. Um, and so just hearing about what what impact it's made on people, they haven't listened to any of the programming yet. Maybe they'll become listeners. Uh, that is really touching. That always inspires me. Well, I mean, I think it's it, it also points to the fact that, you know, not everybody— they're all different gifts, and so there are those who are meant to teach, those who are meant to preach. There's there, and then there are those who 
because of the gifts that God has given them, have have received abundantly, and 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 the way that they that, that they've been been doing this for two thousand years, the way that they can help participate mm-hmm. um, in the mission of the church mm-hmm. to go out and make disciples to encourage one another to call each other That's make right. each other accountable That's is right. is through the funds that they have and right. so um it, it takes everybody right. working together. Yeah, so. and that's that's very true. Everyone that was in that hall that night who supports the radio station, um, believes in it, prays for it, they're involved in they're they're taking up the mantle of evangelization. Right. They are participating in that new evangelization. Right. And and I I just think it's important that we recognize that. And if you weren't there, um then but you do love what you hear on Red Sea and uh, would like to participate in that way, then I'm certain that we could, uh, would be happy to um, receive. Well, yeah, we have not something. closed down our donations page. <laughs> it's open 24 uh, hours a day, seven days a week. That's Trey. awesome. Great. Well, that's so right. I, but, but RedSeaRadio.org slash donate. Right. So RedSeaRadio.org slash donate. That's and, right. And you can do that. But again, very important um that we do that, and we try to do that once a year, so that we don't have to ask for funds. That's been the intention. Right. Um, and as soon as we can get to, I know we've been making a push, and I think it's important to get the monthly donors. Yeah, to and, that and that's at. actually one of our accomplishments. We got almost halfway. I mean, how am I trying to phrase this? We almost got uh, the current monthly shortfall cut in half with new monthly donations at the benefit dinner. Fantastic. So we're almost at cutting it in half, and then we just need to to knock out the the remaining. Right, and, that, and the reason we want to do that so is big. It, from the very beginning has been you know we want to limit the amount of time we talk about ask for mm-hmm. funds mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. we can focus on doing this. And so everybody who's done that, um, thank you, and um, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. God will provide, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. if you know. Um, but we're doing well. And then yeah. we can do more with, with the pool of money that we earn from the benefit dinner. We don't have to be, you know, dipping into that right. each month to to pay bills and things like that. It can be there for expansion, for development, support of other Absolutely. projects, paying down debt, et cetera. Yeah. So things are going good. Thank you very much for listening. And um, and now we'll get back to what we were talking about. I it, We had mentioned last time and spent a whole show last time on an understanding of the church. Um for what she is and the fact that we as families are domestic churches that we can learn from what the church says about herself, what the church, um, what Christ has revealed about his bride and then learn how to look at our own families and say, Hey, this is a way that we should, um, that we can make that visible, um, that we can make parent that we're domestic churches by trying as best we can to mimic what the church has, what has been revealed about the church uh, to us. And so I, I think that, I don't know if we, I don't think we we talked about this. this is one of my favorite ones and anybody that, that has been to a wedding um, has probably heard, you know, Ephesians 5. <laughs> um, I think that it's really important that we listen to what St. Paul is saying here with regard to church because it kind of makes the point that we are a domestic church and that we have to know what the church says what 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 Christ has revealed about his bride and that we're meant to make visible that in and through our own families. And this is Ephesians 5. Most of y'all have heard this and I and I may skip through it, but I think it's a good place to kind of go off because go off onto what we're going to talk about because I think we're going to focus at least in part on the four marks of the church and how those four marks are meant or can be um made more evident or more manifest in our in our families. Now is that Mark Wahlberg? Mark <laughs> I don't know any other marks, but <laughs> <laughs> the four marks. I just like know that the, he's Catholic. Well, so you know the thing is, is and I and I, I'm not sure that this is this is from Saint Augustine in terms of the term, but 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 what they attempt to do is is say that the church has always said that she's one holy Catholic and apostolic, and that that anyone who claims to be 
the church that Christ established will have these four marks. It, it, will, it will be the four marks. So it was a it was a way, I mean, this is a little bit of dig, digression, but I think it may be important to say, when St. Augustine, I think we even talked about it, when St. Augustine was having to deal with the with a particular heresy, it was the Donatists. The Donatists, one of the things that they would say is if if you were baptized by a bad priest, that priest was in fact never really a priest, and in fact might even been a priest of the devil because of the way he acts. And if you were baptized by that, you were baptized into something other than Christ. Right? Can you? I mean, and I think we mentioned have mentioned that before, but I but but at least in the defense of him saying, okay, you Donatists who are saying this. You are not the Catholic Church because you don't meet these criteria. You know, you don't, you, you, you break, you, you don't show all four signs or all four marks of the church. Right. You're just this little local clique that's come together and decided this is what, what Jesus' church teaches. And the way he shoots it down is basically saying, well, if we know the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic, then he uses Catholic as being universal. He says, what you're teaching has not been taught everywhere else. So anyway, bottom line is um, that's what we mean by marks. Yeah, and so, so it's important to understand. One holy Catholic apostolic, it's in the Nicene Creed, we say it. We say it every every um, time we say the Nicene Creed, every mm-hmm. Sunday at, at a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, the other thing with regard to, um, that, and I just lost my train of thought, but that's happening a lot more these days. That is. You're just very busy. You know, a lot on your mind. (laughs) Okay. We'll stick with that story. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. But, but I, but I think, like I said, it it is, it is important for us to, to look at this. Oh, I know what I was going to say. These extend, if they're true about the church, then in some way, in a sacramental way, as a sign, our family should somehow exhibit, you know, this one holy Catholic and apostolic, not in the same way, but in a way that's applicable to our own families. So hopefully by talking about these and step off and then say, okay, this is how you can bring this um, forward. So, um if we'll read Ephesians 5 here, I'm just going to go through it, but I think I want to, what I want to point out is the way he's making this argument. So he begins, as many of you all are familiar, 521 down to 232 or so. It says, be, you know, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject to everything, in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water and, and the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or blemish or wrinkle, um, any, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, as Christ does the church, because we are members of his bodies, above his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. And I mean in reference to Christ and the church. The reason I was saying as, it's, it's, he's comparing a marriage, and, and, and it even flows on. If you read further, he's, he starts talking about how mm-hmm. children should obey their parents and how, mm-hmm. how, how um, fathers should not frustrate or um, discourage their, their children. I think a lot of people don't recognize that, that he's actually using the relationship between Christ and his church as something that he presumes and assumes that this church in Ephesus already knows because he's saying like it. it would make no sense. You know, if you say it tastes like chicken, but you never tasted chicken before. That's right. You, <laughs> you wouldn't like, what are you talking about? Very good point. Um, so he, so he is, 
he is here actually saying what we're saying now, which is a marriage and a family is meant to look like the relationship between Christ and his church, right. his bride, the church. I think that's critical because a lot of people, I think they read this and they don't really look at it in a way that says, look, he's, he's not even going into a description of the relationship between Christ and his church other than in relationship to, hey, the way he died for his spouse, that's what a, hu- a husband's supposed to do for his wife. The way that the church submits to him is that, and then the only way you can read this, I mean, a lot of people like to, you know, especially guys would like to stop at, you know, wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. <laughs> they want to stop that. But if you don't read further, you recognize that the only reason she's being sub, she would be subject to him is because she, he's already shown that he's willing to lay down his life for her, mm-hmm. to die for her. Mm-hmm. And so that's the foundation of any family or marriage, the fact that that, that the husband is not lording it over, but is actually serving, mm-hmm. even to the extent of sacrificing themselves for the sake. I actually thought about that passage in Mass this weekend when right before the Eucharistic prayer started, our older two were singing in the choir at St. Anthony's was Children's Choir. We had the other two in the pew with us, the two-year-old and the five-year-old. And the five-year-old was next to Robin, and I just quickly looked over at the two of them, and I said to the five-year-old, I said, here, go go next to mom and pay, pay attention. She's going to tell you what's going on during the Eucharistic prayer. Right. And Robin, like, without missing a beat, she just looked at me, and then she just started, like, explaining to him what was going on. And during the, the prayer, I was thinking about how, just marveling at, Wow, you know, like she doesn't, she doesn't look at me and say, "What? No, I'm not going to do that." Or, "No, not now. I don't want to." Like she just, she does it right. And and, and that. And I thought, and I thought of that. Like she's, she's being subject to me in this in this spiritual thing. She's trusting my, my leadership on right on this, and for the sake of the children. Yeah, which is where we find ourselves as members of the church, right. as children of. The mother, and I so, was just kind of in awe, in awe of that because I thought, I don't know that I would, I don't know that it would necessarily work the other way around. I don't know that I would be that obedient, right? You know. Well, I think I th- I, I think that we all should um, open ourselves up to the fact that that I, and this is part of the mystery that we've talked about for however long this show's been going, the mystery of parenthood. That when we actually do what we do as parents when we take seriously that, that every once in a while we may do something and then as a result of that, we'll actually have that. Oh, wow. You know, that's the Holy spirit to the extent that it's revealing something about the church that he, God is, that's part of the mystery. You're, you're doing your job. Your wife is, is doing her job. Right. And in that part of the fruit of that is that at least one of y'all begins to understand maybe even a deeper way making it more your own wow this is what the church this is what the relationship between christ and his church is and and what it's for right and that's what this whole show is meant to be because i think that we've got to look at the supernatural aspect that is sometimes revealed through the very natural everyday stuff you got to teach my kids and make them behave do 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 whatever it is that in those moments when you're teaching a child or when you're correcting a child, that oftentimes if you'll if you'll listen, God will sometimes speak to you or at least open up your eyes to something that maybe you hadn't seen before in yeah. order to deepen in order to deepen a better understanding of that and hopefully fall more in love with the church for who she is. And because I think that we with all the stuff that's been going on, we need to really understand who's in charge. Um, Christ says, I, you know, on this rock, I will build my church. Of course, he's talking about Peter, but I, I, I focus at the end of that. I will build my church, not I will build my churches, not I will build your churches, <laughs> but I will build my church. 
Pope Benedict, prior to him becoming Pope, you know, used to say, this is, after all, not our church. It is his church. And so he's, it's his bride. And, you know, I've, I think I've mentioned this before. There is incorrection of our kids, particularly with how they behave with or towards, I'm talking about as men, talk the way they talk to their moms if they're disrespectful i think it's important for for husbands to say do not talk to your mother do not do not talk to my wife mm-hmm. that way that's a different thing it feels different than do not talk to your mother that way mm-hmm. um in fact i found myself there was a there was a young man and this is interesting and i did and it was in front of the kids and, I, and it came out of my mouth maybe because i was thinking about this but there was a young man, a college kid, who I think had been drinking or whatever, and we'd we'd put some. We were at a place over in Austin, and we're sitting down with some friends. But they had saved some seats, and and it was very apparent that they were saved. And this guy comes and he grabs two seats from there. There are other seats to take somewhere else, right? And 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 so I'm kind of back away, and this person starts talking to my wife. He's, he's my oldest son's age, maybe younger. Starts talking. Back to my wife. My wife's just saying, hey, I mean, can you use those chairs? These are ours because, you know, and he starts snapping back at her. And I found myself, I walked over to him and I said, are you going to talk to my wife that way? And he said, no, sir. And walked and walked away. But the kids heard it, but it came out of my mouth that way. Um, I think there's, there's a, it's a different <laughs> thing when you say that because who, who's saying my? Now, of all the people to say, are you going to talk to my bride that way? I think the one that we should be most concerned about is if Jesus says, are you going to talk about my bride that way? Mm-hmm. And so I think that from a practical aspect for you men out there who are, are, are with your, um, are raising kids, I think it's important to add that language to your vocabulary. I think more often, more often than not, you, you can say your mother, there's nothing wrong with saying your mother, but in particular circumstances, you might want to reframe it and say, you're talking to my wife that way. Um, and that kind of establishes the primacy, which we've always talked about, the primacy of the relationship, because kids don't exist <laughs> separate from the relationship between the husband and the wife, between the bridegroom and the bride. Right. So, anyway. And this needs to be said, and, and uh, you, can't, you can't say that as effectively in a mixed marriage situation or a situation where the family is not intact. So that's right. another practical reason for the, the, the wisdom, the rightness, the, the good, the proper um, nature of an intact family unit of a father and a mother, a wife and a husband who come together and produce children exclusively within that relationship. And I I think it's important because a lot of people are are single parents for reasons outside of their control. And unfortunately, we do live in a, we do live in a um, a fallen world (laughs) with people's selfishness and and that. I think, you know, one time it might be, this is, y'all are listening to me just thinking aloud so doing some show planning right here on the air right here but i think i think it would be good to try to find find somebody that is that is living the single or the you know parent um that are that are attempting to do it because that's that is you're basically doing the job of of two which Mm -hmm. is which is amazing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so want to encourage people like that um but like you know we've always done this show is trying to say not that what we've done is, hey, this is the way it was intended to be. But if you already find yourself in that, I think it would be good for us to maybe try to find somebody. So maybe if there's somebody out there who loves the Lord and is doing their best to raise their kids that way, they may have some insights that I that I can't do because I'm I'm certain um, that I would struggle mightily <laughs> doing that. So you people who are out there that are single parents for reasons that are beyond their control and they're trying to raise kids, be encouraged. And um, and maybe we can have you have you on at some point. So anyway, but um, so as we move forward, we can just I think we can just probably go through um, this 
oneness in the context of understanding that we're meant to be outward signs of, you know, visible signs to this world of this relationship between Christ and his church as we are domestic churches. So unity would be one. So oneness, that's the first one. Um, And I think that, you know, some of this becomes one of the things, one of the ways we facilitated you know, unity was, and, and it it builds on the fact that we cross ourselves in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We use often, and I think that that, that we as Christians should use this too, that our name means something, that the Cassian name means something. Cassians, so sometimes we'll say, well, Cassians don't do that. Um, that is a kind of an echo of there are things that Christians don't do. <laughs> Or Cassians always do this, and it's the same thing. But there's some attachment to the name, and that when we're doing it, we're doing in the name. You know, when you go out into this world, we always tell them. You know, are you think about the fact you're not just representing yourself, but you're representing your brothers and sisters. You're representing your parents, your godparents, everybody who carries the name of Cassian. You're representing as you go out into the world. That's that's an echo of what we believe as Christians. When we're out in the world, we are doing it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're doing it in the name of Christ. We're doing it as Christians. And so we need to remember that we're not just representing ourselves when we go into this venue and misbehave or when we go into this venue and, and correct or challenge or encourage or whatever. I misbehaved this past weekend because I didn't like the way some people were acting. And and so I had to actually apologize to my kids that I, I did not act appropriately because I lost my temper. I was, I, and what I, you know, I was making a discreet, there's a difference. There was a way to handle it. There was a matter of justice that was being done that was worth standing up for. But when you're trying to be an example of your children, you have to say, okay, you can be standing up for what is right, but there's a way to do it that's appropriate. And so, again, if I'm representing the cash and name appropriately, if I'm representing you as my children and, and my wife as my wife and anybody else who's gone before me, it's good that I feel a sense of justice that needs to be done with regard to how somebody's doing it. But I probably could have handled it a different way. And if I was truly cognizant of the fact that I'm representing the Cassians, and in fact, representing Christ himself, in a sense, Cassians should be, I mean, the way we would say it is Cassians should be representatives of just a, like a subset of, of what a, a Christian is. When I don't behave like a Christian, I don't behave like a Cassian, then I am being a bad witness. And sometimes right. you have to say right. that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So unity is uh, can be found in the name. So I think it's good to have kind of pride in the best sense of the term, being proud of the name. The other thing that I think that it communicates is this, is that we can be one and diverse. I was thinking about, I'm thinking about, I was looking through John 15 when Jesus is about to leave, you know, about to be taken, crucified, it's the Last Supper, and he talks about, you know, the Father and I are one. You know, he, that's how he begins it. But then later he says, you know, the Father is greater than I. And he's different than me. Hmm. And, I, and we as a family need to recognize that oneness does not mean, well, we share the, share the name and we may share di- similar gifts, but we are unique and unrepeatable. And so unity does not mean sameness. Right. Unity means unity. And that it's in the midst of diversity. So we need to recognize that diversity. But we have to do it. One of my great, my favorite lines is this, and this points us to how, where does unity come from? And it, and it really is a nice segue into what holiness is. But before I do that, did you have any, any thoughts on that? No, no, keep going. Okay. Keep going. So, so oneness, again, so latch onto your name. You know, build on, on, on a sense of that. And then make the connection that... that you know, like I would say, Cassians are Christians. You know, Cassians are Catholics. And so 
But Cashins are different than Romanskis. Cashins are boisterous. Yeah, yeah, could be. It, if if that's good, <laughs> but I think uh, it is. But it, it can be, I guess. Passionate, passionate, excitable, uh, intense, ca- Cajun, Irish, whatever. <laughs> sometimes I spit. But anyway, I digress. Ca- Cashin uh, spit. Is that what you're right, saying? I say sometimes I get excited and and it, it comes out that way. But <laughs> um, but I guess my one of my things is is that so how do we become one? And and there's a great line in in First um, Corinthians. And it's actually about with regard to the Eucharist. And again, it points us back to our unity is not just in, in, in our name, Cash, and not just that we live in the same house as, as each other, not just in that we follow the same rules or at least attempt to, but our unity ultimately f- stems from our union with Jesus and Jesus' union with the Trinity. So we kind of that's the way it goes. And this is the one I love. You know, this is a great line. Every, every uh, Catholic should remember this. Okay. You know, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? And here's the line. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for or because we all partake of the one bread. And he's, but we're, he's speaking specifically about, particularly with those preceding lines, receiving the Eucharist. Jesus present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in what looks like bread and what looks like wine in an intimate union. And the reason that we are one body in the church and that we are one body in our domestic church is because we partake of the one Bread yeah. of Eucharist. So Eucharist mass should be central if we want oneness, if we want unity. We need to recognize it's not us trying to figure out how do we gain unity. It's our participation in the unity of the Trinity right. and our being brought into union with Jesus. It, you know, in John 15, it's, you know, he talks about the I am the vine, you are the branches, right? You're not, if you don't abide in me and I in you, you can do nothing. There's a sense that we have to recapture that we can do what we want to do. Um, Read that passage in Acts again that you just quoted. This one, well, this is from First uh, Corinthians. Sorry, First Corinthians. Yeah, First Corinthians 10. It's so... Uh, the cup of blessing which we bless, yes. is it yes. not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are one, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And that we have to remember that that's a participation. So that's that's First Corinthians ten, sixteen through. 17. But again, we as Christians need to remember that if, if, if we are trying to be, we should be at Mass at least every Sunday. I mean, that should be a standard by which people know, you know. And so like, for example, and we had this, and I'm not to have my, it was just uh, uh, but we did club baseball and some may do club volleyball and, and other things and lots of times there were things on Sundays that we that we did and we would be out of town and one of the great witnesses is hey we're going to find a church I mean we yeah we may be in Dallas we may be in Houston we may be in San Antonio and we might be a little late getting there because the only mass we could find is this but we need to be known visibly for saying I, we as a family can only be one, we don't have to say it necessarily this way, maybe within the family, but not to others, by our participation in the Eucharist. And so on a Sunday, there's nothing more important, nothing more important than getting to Mass. And so it doesn't matter. The beauty of the, beauty of the Catholic Church is pretty much anywhere you are, right. with rare exception, certainly in the United States, anywhere you are, you can get to Mass, and it's a great witness if you're in 
club anything where there's stuff going on on Sunday. Being away from your home in the United States is not an excuse for missing mass. It's, it's not, and, and, you know, masstimes.org or yeah. whatever. It's so easy to find places. It kind of got to be a fun thing for me to, like, okay, figure out the timing right. and, okay, where we're going to be and the maps and stuff. So, right. you know, our kids know that it, it doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing, vacation. That That's a that, – you know, that that participation in that one sacrifice, that's a visible sign of Absolutely. your unity. That's Absolutely. a visible sign of your unity as a family, that we all drop whatever we're doing, right. and we turn our hearts and our minds to it, God. Right, and the idea is, is that even when we're separated, mm-hmm. that, that, that we can all be assured that on that Sunday, wherever we may be, that we are coming together in a unity that may not be as visible to us right. because you're ones in Dallas, ones in Austin, ones whatever, but we know in that on that Sunday mm-hmm. that we as a family right. become one with Jesus, and as such, we become one with one another. Right, and it is literally true that in thousands of places across the world on a Sunday or any weekday, right. The same readings are being read, the yep. same prayers liturgy. are being prayed, the same liturgy is being celebrated. And again, that's a visible sign of it's one of the it, most visible signs of the church's unity. Right. And, and and the thing is, is these four things all kind of roll over each other. Catholic would also say that that's another thing that we can know, whether we're in Peru or in Brazil or in Canada or or Albania Albania or wherever we are on whatever continent we find ourselves. Um, Some places more difficult than others. Sure. Um, But there are masses being said. My mom used to always say to me, you know, there's a mass being said pretty much continually every every day there's there is always a mass at some point because you know if if we have a mass here at, at noon and on the on the west coast it they have one at noon and on the east coast they have one at noon and then that if just the way the time works right. it's perpetual it's perpetual in a certain sense just about perpetual you know so so again i was talking to those to those people and i've always found it interesting you know sometimes we've had to go to a spanish mass mm-hmm. and while it's not as ideal for participating, you can ask anybody, even my kids, can recognize what's going on. Right. I mean, they may not understand the words, but they know exactly what's going on because if they've gone to Mass, and that goes whether it's a Latin Mass or whatever, you can go and and get a sense of, I'm participating in the same thing <laughs> wherever, I, wherever I find myself. Um, and that's why we can go to that because again in fact going to a going to say a spanish mass right. or something like that points us to the fact that that it's really the most important thing is the fact that G- is jesus is becoming present body blood soul and divinity and that right. we are able to consume him right. that he might consume us right. regardless of whether we can understand what the preacher is preaching right and that's what's different, I think. And I think it's good that you mentioned the—it's uh, instructive that you mentioned the Latin Mass. So, you know, in the extraordinary form, it's more um, maybe explicit that even if we we don't know all the we don't know all the prayers and we can't say all the responses the way that you can say in the the ordinary form. The point in both forms of the liturgy is that the priest is there interceding for us. He's he's leading the worship, although we are all are called to a full active participation, participation. In, the, in the mass. The, it's the priest is still there in persona Christi, capitus, right. leading the leading the worship and leading. And the, we're uh, and we're offering ourselves together together with the head, the body together with the head. So the church as is. long, I mean. As long as we're there and we are giving, we're putting our intentions on the altar. We're offering ourselves as a part of that sacrifice, and and we're saying, "Take over, you know, Father, like you know, do yeah. it." 
then right, we're and so, good. And I and I think I think it's important that that actually points to to something that I think is important is that when when we're there, we're meant to understand what's going on. Does not mean that Jesus becomes any less present if we don't understand. Mm-hmm. If our understanding is limited, it does not make his presence any less present. However, the impact on us as individuals can be impacted in terms of our openness and understanding of what's going on. So we need to teach our children why we do the things that we do. Because all of the things, whether we kneel or stand or say this prayer or that, as part of our participation in the Mass, it's not just saying the words, it's understanding what, what in saying those words we're doing with our hearts, with with our the fullness of our being. Now, here's where this extends over to, as a parent, teaching our children anything. We've talked about this over and over. You can get a kid, you can get a child to obey, say, okay, we're always going to say please and thank you. Or we're always going to say, you know, for us, it's yes, ma'am, yes, sir, to whomever. Whatever your whatever those things are, we cannot leave people, our, our children, in rote memorization of, okay, I know that when this happens, I'm supposed to say this. As parents, if we wanted to make it real, we have to explain why would we say that, you know, so... I say for our kids, we're going to open the doors for ladies. If you're a boy, you're going to offer to open a door for a woman. I could leave it at that, and I could demand it of them when I see them. But if I don't take a step further saying you're you're called to be a servant of every woman, that is your call as a man. And so... Can they open the... every woman. Well, can they, you know, can a woman open a door? Of course she can. Right. The sign is I'm going to do it, but but if I don't teach them why that sign is important, if I don't say, hey, this is a way that you communicate to them that they are important, they have a special dignity, and that this is more than just me opening the door. This is me saying that I'm at your service because that's what I'm meant to do as a man. If I don't communicate that, I might have a kid that does it, but they're just doing it out of rote. Same thing goes, and more importantly, with the Mass. But again, this is what we can learn from the church, is the church wants us to be full, conscious, and active participants. So we always got to remember that if we're asking or demanding something or encouraging something from our children— that we will attempt to explain to them why, maybe multiple times over a good period of time so that they understand fully that this is not some mere show that we're putting on, some signal that really has no meaning that we're just doing, but instead that everything that we do with our body, again, that actually communicates what we as Catholics believe, that what we do with our bodies is meant to actually show the world something it's true. So, you know, it used to be if, you, if, a, if you, you leave your seat to let a woman sit in the seat, right? If you were sitting someplace and there were no seats, you know, a male would get up and offer their seat to that. Again, those are things that are signs that can be, that can be learned from the church in that as parents we should be teaching our kids, like you just did the other day, off, and uh, um your your wife did it for the kids. Yeah, let's be clear. My wife did. My wife did the teaching. I just said for her to do it. Right. You said it, well, yeah, but y'all in, th- in this particular in this particular instance. But it doesn't. My point is right, is right, that right, right. that you're 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 making the effort to teach them the That's why right. and the what and That's what's right. going on, and that it's not just merely oh, we're kneeling here, That's we're right. standing here. If they don't understand why we kneel or why we stand, if they don't know that we stand at the reading of the gospel and we're sitting during the other readings because Jesus is about to speak. His words are about to be read. And so we show honor. Why do we kneel during the, we need to teach our kids? We kneel because Christ is becoming present in that moment when it says, this is my body, this is my blood. So anyway, again, that's unity and Catholicity that you have. Yeah. There. And let me, t- let me riff on just one other aspect of that yeah. uh, overlap there. Uh, the Mass, the scripted prayers that we have as Catholics, the communion of saints, 
um, the rosary, um, different devotions, you know, all that's also there too to show that you don't have to do it on your own. Right. It's not just you straining towards God on your own, but rather you're doing it inside of a family. And my goodness, don't we want our children to know that about their own, you know, development as people that you're not, you're not just growing up on your own. You don't have to do it all on your own. Right. Your mom and me, we're here to help you. You're getting the example of your older brothers and sisters, right? You know, your aunts and uncles, the the ones who have come come before you. They're there to help you. They're encouraging you. They're cheering you on. They're they, they want you to succeed. It's not all up to you. It is up to it is up to you, but it's not all up to you. Right. You have, you to, have do, to do you have to do your, your part, part, but you're not on your own. Yeah. Um, that's what the church, the whole, th- everything about the church says that. And I think that that goes, that maybe leads into, into the holiness aspect that holiness is a participation in, in Jesus and holiness is union with Christ and therefore union with his, with the, with the whole, most holy Trinity. What I think is important to recognize is we're all called to holiness but to be holy does not mean that we're like everybody else that's holy. In fact, the church would say that the, we are the most unique and most unrepeatable the more holy we are because we become more and more who we were created to be. Mm. In other words, that the world, people will do weird, you know, do different things, maybe color their hair some funky color and to have piercings and tattoos and, and all that to make themselves different. Mm-hmm. But when they make themselves different in that way, what they find out is they end up looking like a lot of other people. What the church teaches and what God is teaching and through holiness is we're called to this holiness, which is, again, unity. But holiness takes what God's gifts are to us, our personalities, our strengths, our weaknesses, all that and actually accentuates them, makes them more us. You know, so Father, I mean, so St. John Paul II would say, church, be who you are. Family, be who you are. You, be who you are. Christian, be who you are. And who you are wasn't to be like everybody else. What he's saying is be, be you, and so we as parents need to, need to tell our children they're unique and unrepeatable. There's nobody going to be like them. And that the more they draw close to Jesus, the more they draw that to unity with him, they're going to become more and more themselves, not less themselves. They'll be more and more in union with Jesus. And everything that he wants to shine, so to speak, will be made more shiny in that that's those are trace words not mm-hmm. the churches but mm-hmm. but that's an idea i think is extraordinarily important and what that gets to is that the means of holiness the church provides so we as parents provide food you know we put we may put broccoli on the table and say hey you get, you need to eat broccoli cuz it's good for you <laughs> you know and you don't want to do it but we may demand it of you right well the church the same way but but unless you ingest it unless you listen to who's guiding you, then you won't become all that you could be. So there is a participation in the sense that you have to take it into yourself, following obediently and allowing yourself to become who you're meant to be. And then, I don't know, I mean, without going, I would go to the last one, which is just to be apostolic. We need, number one, we need to be teaching our children the truth. So catechism, those type of things, reading the catechism, going, we have to teach them the truth. Jesus is the truth. We have to get them to receive their sacraments and to understand what the sacraments are, because there we know Jesus is present in his word and in his sacraments. And then we have to have them a understand. A visible the sign of an invisible reality instituted by, by Christ, Christ to confer grace. grace. Yes. My, wife, my daughter said that I still remember that yep. going to church. But but I think all of this, the one holy Catholic and apostolic, 
goes back to exactly what we started at, which is we're meant to be visible signs to this world of who we are. So to be apostolic also means that we're meant to go out into the world and make disciples. We're meant to go out in the world and teach. And we do this from the one holy Catholic apostolic. And the mass at the end, when it says, Ita misa est, it is sent. What is sent? The body of Christ is sent out into the world to make present to this world him who is Lord and Savior of ourselves and meant to be their Lord and Savior. And so this whole idea of one holy Catholic and apostolic all comes from, all can be used to kind of point us in the direction as Cassians, as Romanskis, as Smiths, as whatever, you know, Makas, whoever you are. Don't try to be the Cassians, don't try to be the Romanskis, be who you are by growing in holiness. So I know we're drawn to an end here, and it always seems to sneak up on us, but hopefully this has been helpful. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do we have a memory verse for this week? Well, let's let's do First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians ten, um, seventeen. All right, because for, there is one bread. First Corinthians ten seventeen. Because there is one bread, we who are who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And make sure you go to mass, teach your kids, love them, and um, I mean, amazing things will happen. So, I know Stephanie always says it best, but I'm going to try to remember here. Pray, (laughs) parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you, and he will. God bless you guys. Thanks.